I'm dispensing the pets, doping out at the cons, renaissance fests, watch anime chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie, <laughs> sit back and watch as the uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the left to F in your dictionary, and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor, I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby. And welcome to the Fanboy Planet Podcast from Fanboy Planet Comics in Santa Clara, California. Andy, give us that address. 2725 El Camino Real, Suite 105. In Santa Clara, California. Give us the phone number. Uh, 408-985-7481. All right, there we go. So now we know. This is for December 20th, our pre-Christmas show. Woohoo! Uh, and uh, mid-Hanukkah for those who are listening who celebrate others. I don't know where we are in relationship to Kwanzaa. We're at four shopping days left. Four shopping days left. And you can come here to Fanboy Planet Comics and get a lot of stuff. They've beefed up their toy selection. They've uh, beefed up their graphic novel selection. There's some really cool stuff going on here. Anyway, I'm Derek McCaw. I'm the editor-in-chief of FanboyPlanet.com. You can reach me at editor at fanboyplanet.com and over here we have Andy Mead the store owner who's wearing his headphones in a very strange way dude you're talking like way too loud dude you look like a Borg <laughs> it's the Lobot uh, only not as bright and we've got Lon Lopez from moreonlife.com yeah yeah and Rick Brettschneider who needs to turn my microphone down clearly because I people are just complaining. adjusted your volume sir there we go okay and our sound and engineer, the taskmaster Derek McCaw no I'm uh, I've introduced stop myself stop shouting <laughs> I just speak. I just speak clearly. Not used to this articulation. Don't you have a store to run? Anyway, here we are to speak about comics and whatnot. Speak and about what? Comics. 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 Okay, comics. got it. And uh, we were talking. Did you get a chance, Andy, to read New Avengers Illuminati, the new one today? Um, no, I haven't. I've only gotten to read the couple other Civil Wars issue and my Hellblazer. Can I start the show early? With Dang my- it. I set him up. <laughs> I, I did. He bet me earlier I w- that he, he, I would. <laughs> he got I'm it very, in context. I'm very too. upset. He did. Yeah, of course. And, and how long did that, how long are we actually in what? I one and a half about, minutes? I, I, think that's, minute I, I think that's a new record. Well, when you put a wager on it, yeah, come on. It's exactly uh, the two-minute mark. Oh, but Derek, I want to test your knowledge and further my ignor- ignorance, or, or I guess impede my ignorance. The Illuminati, where is that originally? I know that's they're using it in... Uh. It's in the uh, Knights Templar. It's the theory uh, that the Illuminati secretly run everything. The Masons, uh, uh, the group okay. behind the. Uh, but where, so that's just what from it folklore was, literature. Yeah, it, yeah uh, it's uh, been popularized by uh, Robert Anton Wilson. Wilson. There we go. In the sixties, absolutely the brilliant. Back. Brilliant series. Okay, so which I think they adapted into a stage play or and two, a or board three. game by Steve Jackson Games, which is very good. So essentially, then it used in in the popular vernacular, it's just as a, the like secret a, guys. I mean, right? The, the, the secret group, the secret group running the world. Okay, behind okay. everything. So Brian Michael Bendis, a couple of years ago, theorized that uh, the leaders of the major groups within uh, the Marvel universe get together from time to time, and they form a new Illuminati. Doctor Strange. I guess he's the leader of the Defenders, huh? Uh, Professor X. The spi- he's uh, leader of mi- the mi- mystical. Mystics, mutants. mutants. 
In undersea, humans. Undersea people? Yeah, right. <laughs> Namor. <laughs> Atlanteans. <laughs> Fish. And then uh, uh, Four, uh, Africans. Reed Richards. Uh, no, because the Black Panther refused membership. Oh, that's right. He's so, not he in it. He walked with right. Iron Man. Uh, Rich Mr. people. Mr. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Right. So you've got the wealthy. Anyway. It's uptown. Uh, and, and Black Bolt. The Inhumans are there. And uh, right. so a new series of Illuminati specials came out, started today, uh, going back to the Kree Scroll War. And I was commenting earlier that it feels like sort of the attempts to Meltzerize, as I like to say, the Marvel Universe, putting in a subtext that suddenly recolors without necessarily actually retroactively changing the continuity, but colors what happened as a result of a certain event in DC history, and which Brad Meltzer did very well with his, is it the Archer's Quest, I think was his... Uh, he did do that, yes. Yes, Green Lantern. Was the first, I mean, Green, Green Arrow. Arrow. The Green Arrow, the Archer's Quest, which is great, where he just sort of added in this little twist that suddenly... Green Arrow knew something you thought he had been ignorant of all along, which means, boy, what a jerk Oliver Queen was, and it colors everything. And now, uh, with the Illuminati, it's basically saying that uh, it, the book begins with them going to the Skrull homeworld and saying, uh, don't, uh, don't mess with Earth, or Black Bolt will speak. And uh, there's at consequences at, at, oh. at, at your college. I'll give. Uh, he, he's living. He's living in an Adelan <laughs> down by the river. Okay, that was really hard to Black stretch. Black Bolt, the you know, motivational speaker. That's in the first three pages. It's on oh. the cover. That's the setup. That's <laughs> the premise. All right. So anyway, uh, yeah. So I, I'm not sure that necessarily is a concept that works well for the Marvel universe, but there you go. So that's kind of a hot thing. And if we'd read. Ahead of time. Oh, now my computer shut So is Marvel just uh, intent on just chasing away all its fans, or is that just? Uh, I, I think they're. I think they're intent on doing that. Oh, okay. Well, that's cool. Because I mean, so why is this a bad thing? I, I'm. I'm. Well, it seems like because teenagers it's something are could way stick into in comics because of the premise that they're working behind everything. They wouldn't have to show up in any books. They were successful at least until right. whatever goes no, horribly I, I, wrong. I don't think it's necessarily a bad idea. It's just with the past couple of years of big sort of ideas that Marvel's been putting out, it's going to be badly executed. Ah, so you just don't, you don't trust them. Uh, I haven't trusted them since Secret Well, Wars it's not too. so much trusting as, <laughs> as, as in proof, right? I mean, what was the last good big idea that Marvel pulled off that we can think of? The Ultimate Universe. Um, yeah, there we go. And yeah. I, I Partially, yeah. I think there were some ideas behind House of M that weren't a ba- weren't bad. Mm-hmm. And we're still kind of doing it. It's too many events on top of each other, so we oh, haven't had a chance to great. deal with the, the, uh, with the what? The uh, the Supreme stuff. The, um, Squadron Supreme. Squadron, Squadron Supreme, Supreme. Yeah. okay. Yeah. Which is a, a rethink of an yeah. old uh, of an old concept, sure. And which and it's saying it's just a whole new Earth. And that's the problem is that Marvel hasn't really allowed for any continuity changes. It's always like this alternate Earth thing. It's, it's many things to juggle, which ordinarily I'd be okay with, except that now the continuity is... A problem within itself, within its main Earth six one six, I think is what they've called it. Yeah, one of the things that the, one of the differences between DC and Marvel that I've I've always felt, and I don't know if anybody else feels it, but well, let's D- find out. DC always has had this sense of history in a, in a, in, the, in its universe. It's always had this sort of feeling that it's gone. It's always gone on forever. You know, because they, they've got Golden Age Flash. Right, right. They've got Barry. They've got They have Wally. history, yeah. yeah. They've and got I, this when they've, when they've done the big changes, they've taken that into account. They right. make the fact that they're changing things part of the event. Right. Marvel, on the other hand, has never seemed that old. And, well, because Marvel doesn't 
literally have the continuity either. Superman, mm-hmm. Batman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, yeah. and Green Arrow never stop publishing. Right. Yeah. Always existing from 1939 till today in one form or another, whereas Marvel, Timely, Atlas stopped. Stanley and Jack Kirby tried to reach back in time and create a connection back and forth, obviously with Captain America right. showing up in the pages of Avengers. But somehow that always seems like, well, that's still a modern age thing. Right. Exactly what you're saying. It's like they reach back to pull that forward. See, so, I mean, if you look at DC, the DC Universe, right, the, the characters that they have, you can see <laughs> that Jay Garrick quite possibly was alive during World War II. Mm-hmm. Right, and then you can see who was like you know the the Flash of the '60s or whatever. Um, with Marvel, the character you, you don't have, you know, the characters are perpetually and they haven't been time updated. In like, this time period, yeah, Punisher is still his his origin still is that he's a Vietnam vet, but yet. In the comics, he's not a... F- I think they're trying own. to change it now, yeah. because right now they've got two Punishers going, running around. Basically, the Punisher in the Max line of comics, if, if there are I any other... I thought they Ma- canceled those. Max books. No, no. The uh, Garth Ennis Punisher is still being published. It is still a Max. It's a much harder-edged, and that guy is being treated like he's in his 60s, like he's legitimately a, a Vietnam vet. And now they're just not really saying. The Punisher that showed back up again in the Punisher War Journal that just came out of Civil War, which, by the way, was actually a really good book. I don't know if everybody read that. It was, it was, it was sold it was, out. It was, it was really fun. There's that, that buzzword we're going to get back to. It was a fun book, but that's a different Punisher, and they're treating it like two different Punishers and all what of about a the Punisher that was an angel? I mean, they never really explained that They would one like either. to pretend that one just never See, happened. Right. At, <laughs> at some point, what they're going to do is the Punisher is going to be a veteran of the first Gulf War. Yeah, I he think that's where you're headed to. That's where you're headed to. That's exactly and, and you're that's right. That's what they do, and that's why. Well, they brought out in the in, in Fantastic Four in a couple issues, or in maybe it was in, in uh, Nick Fury or one of the one of them. They sh- they had Ben Grimm and Reed Richards show up with the Howling Commandos. Yes, early on. Yeah. You know, so they had they, they were, were World War back. II vets. Well, and, vets. and, and that's something we don't teenagers. really see much. Right, it's not something we see much anymore. But when Stan Lee and Jack Kirby created these guys. Yeah, they were, it was it was not unthinkable that a a hero, and that's how our cultures changed. That a hero could be in his forties, mm-hmm. and and do something foolish like take his young fiance, who's like two decades younger, up into a rocket ship with her kid brother, and you know endanger them and get exposed them to cosmic it rays. It was fun, but you know, forget that you know the it's the because they had to switch that for Ultimate Fantastic Four. How the iconic look for Reed Richards is gray hair. Yeah. Yes. At the temples, which my gosh, if you're if you're 40 now and have the gray hair at the temples, oh, you're over the hill. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> but but I mean it's a silly thing, but it's funny how our culture has changed. And so now they had to like have Reed Richards do a fade in the Ultimate Fantastic Four, so it would sort of look like he had the gray mm-hmm. temples. And the movie made Yoan Griffith like it was a result of the cosmic rays that his yeah. hair got gray <laughs> as a result of the just trauma. on the sides. Yeah, yeah. just to, so he would look like the comic book. I mean, stupid. He yeah. works as a character. Because he's older. Right. He's got... Yeah, he's got a little more maturity. Which does make the drama of Civil War that he's older, he should know better, and he's really not. His arrogance... He's got this tragic flaw. If they had explained that. In Civil War, instead of in the pages of Fantastic Four and Spider-Man, both written by J. Michael Straczynski, trying very hard to make it make sense. But back back around to the front, then, to the Illuminati special here, which we originally started talking about, 
What was your original take on this issue? You did read, you did preview this issue, or I did read it. Uh, I bought it earlier today and read it beforehand. And what's I, your take for the fans out there? I, it was a good, it was a good book. I, I am worried about the consequences, and I guess what I would pull out of what Andy was trying to say is, individual storylines work. It's when you plug them into what's going on in the continuity overall. I've got a problem. But aren't like, we aren't we all as comic fans? Aren't haven't we all just agreed, like unspoken or not, just that Marvel continuity sucks? I mean, it's yeah. just because I feel like the Spider-Man books are all treading water until until Civil War can get done explaining what Spider-Man's status quo is. Yeah. Now, mm-hmm. this is still no worse than say like when Web of Spider-Man every other issue was this fill-in, and you realize that it meant nothing. But that's the problem. Like, Peter David is doing a really good job trying to make the stories at least entertaining while he doesn't know what the heck they're going to tell him he has to do with Spider-Man next. He has um, to wear the black suit. Yeah, but I'll come back, on well, to, your, I'll come back to your side of the fence. So when they did the red-blue Superman, mm-hmm. all the books. The yeah, electric, you mean all, the electric Superman? Yeah. Well, the red, the red yeah, and blue. It became red, and he split into red and blue, too. which they never really adequately explained. But but in all the Superman books, that affected them all. Yes. There were all the storylines. Right. It was active. The plot line moved right through it. I, but I would like to say they blew. The only uh, writer I didn't who, like it myself. The only writer I was did trying anything. to go with you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, but I mean, but that's true. But the only writer that did anything good with that was Grant Morrison in JLA. Used it for like two or three issues of JLA, and. Like, actually was the only writer who came up with something good with Superman's powers. And yep. the idea that, like, the JLA had to test him. Is this still Superman? Is he worth membership? And Batman said, of course he is. He's Superman. And, you know, said volumes in one sentence about the characterization and the friendship and all that. And then the actual books, like, he just woke up one day and the universe had righted itself and he was okay. Yeah. And that blew. And we all admit that blew. And <laughs> it's like, and is that what's going to happen with Marvel? Is that Peter Parker's going to wake up one morning and everyone just forgot who he was? I, you know, yes, yes, that's going to happen. That's I would like to say though, Roberto Aguirre Sacasa over in Sensational Spider-Man, or maybe I've got it confused. Oh. It's a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. He wrote the single best Aunt May story ever in this week's issue of Spider-Man, whichever one he's writing. I can't remember. I think he's Sensational I think it's Spider-Man. Sensational. I'm I, I don't like the cover. It makes Spider-Man look like, like a like a zombie. It looks like the zombie or corpses. But it right. is a great, great Aunt May story, and I've been waiting for this guy to actually like break. For, you know, really. He's doing really good work, but nothing that you'd be like, oh, you know, he's a great writer that'll be remembered. And this is the story that I feel like, well, if you can do a couple more like these, we'll remember him. Because right now his big thing is he's the guy that they fired Mark Wade for on Fantastic Four and then changed their minds. Mm-hmm. And he did good work on that book, uh, which I don't think exists anymore. The f- Four? Marvel Knights Four? Does that still exist? Yeah, I think that's I think it's done. Cold. Oh, is this? Uh, I think it's cold. I think they, I think they canceled it. But wow. And they moved it on to the Spider-Man, and he's... And he's been doing, you know, pretty solid work with, again, trying to just. Yeah, but it's so, but it's you know back to maybe what Rick was saying too, though. It's like it must be hard for all these writers to keep up and try to, you know, you might get a great idea for a story and then you got to go, wait, uh-huh. I got to check with the editor. Which I know that's what, not the writers; it's I, the editing. I know that's what Peter David had to do, right. and, and and J. Michael Straczynski has even said that too. That it's like. You know, that there have been things he planned to do. Whoops, Civil War threw that out the window. Right, right. And it was clear Peter David was setting up one status quo for Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man that he's really had to just backpedal and throw out because, you know, suddenly things yeah. are different. And, you know, I'm a, I'm even not that big a, a, an opponent of, like, somebody like Captain America. I think in current continuity, the way they explain it is... Not only is he a super soldier serum, I think he got a new like freedom serum that keeps him youthful and young or 
Or it's the same one Nick Fury the has. Infinity Fury formula. Has, you know, or infinity, something. Yeah. So it's like... Infinity formula. So, I mean, you know, they write in a cheesy way like that, and it keeps the ball rolling. That's as long fine. As you, you, know? you know, do it. Yeah, Give me something like yeah. that. I'm okay with that. Right, yeah. right. And I don't mean to go off on a tangent there, because let's talk about something that Rick and I both think Marvel's about to do right, which mm. is finally yeah, The Dark cruel. Tower. Stephen King's The Dark Tower with Peter David uh, adapting. The New York Times apparently... Did a, did a piece on this this week, and they said it was adapting Stephen King's Dark Tower. People thought that he was, they were actually writing news stories, but apparently the first seven issues are an adaptation of the story being told in the Wizard of Glass. Wizard of Glass. Um, I think that... Uh, oh, I, I lose track of what the names of the individual novels are, but there's well, a story... Susanna, I think, is part of it, because the, well, they, they had last week the sketchbook, mm-hmm. and it shows Jonas Eldred in mm-hmm. it. Uh, and Susanna, yes, as sketches. So some of that story, the Susanna story, is entirely encapsulated in Song of Susanna. There, oh, no, pardon me, that's wrong, totally wrong. Uh, it is Wizard and Glass, and but that's but not it, the right title either. There's no, some, it is it, it is Wizard, Wizard and Glass. Glass? Is that Wizard, all it is? Wizard and Glass, and Glass, and uh, that's the whole story about. Roland and his, his crew showing yes. up in this little town. Yes. Uh, they're basically just been sent out to be saved by his father, and they tumble on to something evil going on. Right. But the the Susanna story <coughs> is entirely told in that mm-hmm. from beginning to end. There is no room for additional stories with Susanna. So it's either going to be flashbacks to that. No. Or, so it's the first thing is, is an adaptation taken there, and with Jay Lee doing some, at least from the sketches, Beautiful work, but do we expect but, anything? But let me ask you this. You said something that you anticipate Marvel is going to do right. What, off just the the stuff you've seen, what makes you think Marvel's going to do this right? I mean... Because they've been taking a long time. Stephen King has been in a lot of story conferences with them. He's sort of producing, not so much writing, obviously, though he's certainly got the fertility for it. But he, but uh, Joe Casada mentioned this at Comic-Con this summer, that they had a story conference and Stephen King gave them enough ideas, essentially, in uh, 30 minutes for 300 issues. Yeah, and I Because he, he was that. just throwing this. And, but, and he's involved and, and selected the writers that he liked. Peter David's co-writing with someone, and I cannot remember who it is. Uh, it's a name I didn't recognize. But, um, but The Dark Tower is an interesting series. A lot of people have issues with the later books. I, th- I thought some of it was very self-indulgent, but I feel like they're cutting the self-indulgence way, and getting to the meat of what makes people love these books. I trust Peter David. I, there was a time period... What about Marvel, though? Do you trust Marvel and their shipping schedule and their art Well, that's, I think that's why it's taken so long. I haven't mm. trusted Marvel since Secret Wars 2. <laughs> I know, but I think that Marvel announced this Dark Tower at least a year that's ago, a, that's a, that's and Jay Lee has, right been, has been drawing it for that amount of time. It looks I think they are on track. I don't mind if you tell me we're going to do seven issues... Take a break for Jay Lee to catch up or whatever artist, you know, not just Marvel, any, you know, Civil War. If they had if they had been a couple months ahead of themselves on Civil War with Steve McNiven, whose artwork is good on that book. It is. You know, it, it is good. And, and if they had been on top of it enough to know, look, he's not going to be able to. I think Joe Cusack even said, or somebody at, at Marvel high, high up said, you know, the, the reality is most artists can't do a monthly book. I mean, it's one reason. Yeah, they can, they just can't do it if they're of any quality. Blah blah blah. One reason why, and I'm not saying it to, to plug him, but this is true. Why Tony Loco we're putting on a bi-monthly so that if it takes six seven weeks, we've got time. You know, a page a day, a page a day. Dave that's all we, that's all we ask. Three hundred issues of Cerebus. 
Yeah, but that's all he did, and he was insane, and it's not like he had a social life because he was uh, misanthropic, and, you know, had pretty much by the end of that run alienated everyone who was ever his friend. So That had nothing to do with the fact that he still did a page a day. That's true. That's true. But getting back to the Dark Tower. Yes. So uh, <laughs> from just looking through the sketchbook, and I poured over that sketchbook because I am such a fan of that series. The It looks like they're going to start with part of the story from the first book mm-hmm. with the blooding of Roland. And then they'll move to the Song of Susanna. That leaves it open at the end of the past story. And pardon me, Wizard and Glass. The at the end of that, that leaves it open for new stories. There's mm-hmm. plenty of potential there, and plenty of years between mm-hmm. that and the act, the active part of the story. But start right and bring in the people that want to read, and there are people that do want to read an adaptation of the book they've already read. Case in point, that Anita Blake Vampire Hunter, which you cannot keep in stock, can you? Yeah. No, but and also just as a side point, um, you, for these like tie-ins or you know movie adaptations and book adaptations, none of them sell really good, and nobody ever really comes in showing interest before the book comes out. I got to tell you, again, I've got a couple of calls on the Dark Tower. Yeah. I've got people adding it to their list. I had people adding it to their list a month ago when it was announced. There are people that have no idea where this store is and are calling in, is what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. I, um, <laughs> It'll be the second book I'll be having who put four copies aside for me. The first one is Tony Loco. <laughs> wow. <laughs> anyway. Ooh, oh, that was good. Moving on. Suck up. Yes. Moving on to a greater controversy this week than the Dark Tower. Greater controversy than Civil War. It's Betty and Veronica's new look. Oh, my God, yes. Betty. Uh, coming in, <laughs> coming in. ironically, Betty and Veronica, double digest. Number 151. Wait, how many Ds see, are I find that disturbing. <laughs> I find that slightly I disturbing four. because the Betty looks like my daughter. Yeah, I'm a little disturbed by your admitting that. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> it's, it's, I, I just, I find, I, I mean... I, I don't know. All right, I'm for the people who aren't seeing this at home, let's describe it. What are what? First of all, what are we up in arms about, Derek? Well, they're they're going they're changing the art style now, and you know I'll get to an explanation in a moment. That uh, the cover of Betty and Veronica Double Digest has them drawn in a more realistic manner than they have been before. Uh, it, it is not as uh, it's more comic book instead of cartoon. Is right. What I'm let's saying. just say yeah and. And when you compare, there you are. Yeah. You know, uh, say Andy has just brought over a Betty and Veronica spectacular number six seven one. And has Betty and Veronica ever been spectacular? No, they have. I oh, mean, okay. you know, this is the thing. And uh, and I've seen I, I've seen Newsarama also had one page within with Archie being drawn more realistically. Oh, that's and, scary. And you know, and even you know when they did the uh, Punisher meets Archie, they they still left Archie and Betty and Veronica and the whole Riverdale gang in their traditional uh, style. Uh, Stan Goldberg, he died a few years ago. That had designed that. Now this is not the first art change they've done because Sabrina the Teenage Witch is being drawn in a manga style, which apparently has done fairly well for the company. But uh, I just want to get your reactions to this. I mean, First you look of all, at this. Uh, okay, for the for the for the youngster here, uh, explain to me the the relevance of Archie and Veronica in today's world. Archie and Veronica, or and whatever Betty. Betty and Veronica, Archie comics in general. Like, I understand the history of it, but I, he's has Archie really gone as mainstream as say some other. I mean, he's not like Snoopy caliber. He's not like... No, but if I understand this correctly and someone could please write in, 
uh, correct me, but uh, that uh, while they don't necessarily sell that well here in the world of comic book stores, which are dark and dank places and frightening, you know, places where children dare not go, except for FanboyPlanet.comics, it's very well lit in here and kept moderately clean when Andy's not here. So uh, Don't go in the bathroom. Don't go in the bathroom. Uh, but uh, on grocery stores... Uh, they sell like crazy these digest sized uh, yeah, books because when right now you don't have the spinner racks like we grew up with in like in Seven Eleven. Mm-hmm. Right. When a kid is sick and a mom goes to the store to get the cough medicine or something, she says, "I'm going to grab my comic book." And this is all they can find. It's a comic for sick kids. Yeah, it's an entry comic. It's sort of like the first hit of crack <laughs> or marijuana. Uh, yeah, it's an entry drug. It's a gateway comic, yes. Mm. Yeah. I imagine it's also bigger. I mean, we're on the West Coast, and I imagine you know, the safer Midwest Bible Belt area. But, and that's true, too, because you still have the stuckies. Everybody goes to the truck stops, and yeah. you can find them like, in, the, in the truck stops. And the other thing, too, is, you know, I mean, I don't know how many of us really know young girls, but I have a daughter, and she is interested in Archie. It's a safe kind of, you know, it deals with romance in a very, but, okay, you so know, G-rated way. Sharing the hamburger way. So explain to me, okay, because I mean I'm not as familiar with Archie Comics, but essentially, like, what's the the selling point or what's the premise? So just teenagers in high They're school. Just teenagers in high school. They don't solve mysteries or anything. Being, uh, just, they do. That's Archie's weird mysteries. But I mean, they, but they, they don't normally solve mysteries. But though. the overall <laughs> focus of it in like uh, a comic, I'm sorry, yeah, did I knock those out? It's just teen hygiene. You know, you know so what? it's yeah. just teen hygiene. You know what? Okay. They'll be they'll think, think be about like. Your, Think about your old, like, your Tom and Jerry cartoons or something. Right. Like, what's the premise between Tom and Jerry? It's just like a mouse and a cat chasing each other. These are just teenage kids being goofy. Okay. Yeah. So but, just- which does sell well to, you know, the preteen audience. and the Because par- exactly as Andy said, I think, because parents know them. They trust them. It's like this legacy. Whereas you pick up, say, a, kid, uh, a mom goes to the store and says, my kid wants a Batman comic, and picks up All-Star Batman and Robin. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's it. That's the last comic book that child ever gets to see until they're 20. You know, and moved well, out the, of the house. So the format, something I want to go about because typically these the uh, the standard size magazine would have four or five different little vignette stories. Yeah. Now this is a double digest. Is this right. reprints inside, or is this? Uh, a... It's, a it's a mixture. It's three dollars okay. and sixty nine cents for. Um, let's see if I the, traditionally I, the double giant for me the the digest and the double digest sell. The individual issues don't sell so much. So, but they're, they're a digest, good value. They're digest a really good typically value. reprint stuff. <coughs> and so, are we looking at a cover that doesn't? Uh, yet again, looking at a cover no. that does, doesn't represent the interior. It art. does represent some of the interior. Okay. Art. So, last night I took it upon myself to find an email address for Archie Comics and emailed the uh, public relations coordinator. So I have a letter back. This is uh, like our first sort of guest appearance by a professional uh, comic book company. Are you going to read it in character? Are, are you saying... Over the years, we have tried... We have uh, we have t- tried to Sincerely present... Sincerely, uh, Myron Simpleton. Uh, his name is Rick Offenberger. Oh, and I don't want to misrepresent him. He's very kind to have actually emailed me. Uh, he's on the East Coast. He emailed me like at 2 a.m., uh, you know, going through the end of a hard day, sorting, hard day sorting through Archie, sort, controversy. Through Archie controver- controversy, and he emailed back and said, over the years, we have tried to present Archie and his pals in new and exciting ways. Some of them have worked well, such as the manga Sabrina, Little Archie, and Katie Keene. Uh, Katie Keene? Katie Keene, who is the model who stars in Archie and Friends, who is 
Why? She's a, she's a quite she's, a piece of work she's, there. Uh, Dave she's Stevens, in a Dave Stevens clean dress. dress. I think uh, uh, Katie Keene's uh, maybe not the entry uh, drug we would like. Mm. Uh, others have not been as successful, such as Archie with a mullet, which was better known as <laughs> Andy Mead. No, Archie 3000 was what that was called. Archie 3000, because in the future, yes, we'll all, all have, have mullets. mullets. <laughs> jo- uh, I don't know why they and called it 3000, because I don't think it took place in the future. I remember the, that uh, they made um, Jughead into a skate rat, and that did not work. Because uh, he's not really even uh, motivated enough to be a skate rat. So, Josie wasn't always a pussycat, but that was a change that the fans really embraced. The new style is going to be featured in only one four-part story mixed with classic tales in Betty and Veronica, Double Digest number 151 to n- number 154. Classic Archie will be in every other story we publish. We will see what the fans think, and if it is well-received, we may do another. If the fans don't like it, we will never do another story with this style. We are going to listen to how our fans respond. We'll wait to see the comments when the comic itself is published, and fans let us know what you think of both the story and the art. We really do value their comments. I do want you to be assured that at no point were we ever considering a change to the entire line. We are only talking about one story, in a different, done in a different style, which is not how it got presented this week uh-huh. in the internet. We suck. We cracked in half, and Family Planet didn't run with this because I was saving it for today, and then I got this response. It's just this, a test. This cracked the internet in half, but Hawkeye showing up in House of M didn't? Well, I think we bring up a very good... Yeah, no. Hawkeye showing up in House of M, who cared? I mean, we expected that. I think when, when the uh, the new style doesn't come across, they'll have to fix the continuity with an Archie with, like, a crisis in Infinite Archies. <laughs> in which the Punisher comes back to Riverdale and kills everyone, and then it gets rebooted. Just the pretty ones. But, I mean, I think the thing is, when you sit here and we talk with the young boy, Lon Lopez, here, who's Hi, just a child lad. compared to the rest of us. Sweet lad. Uh, that uh, that it, The question is, is Archie even relevant anymore? And yet... Seriously, though, people were up in arms this week. They're like, how really? dare they change this? You go on a news around with this, all these guys going, is there nothing sacred? I'm like, not, the I'm Bible not. is sacred, perhaps, to most pe- to many people. Archie? Is that sacred? I don't know. I, I, I'm not that distracted a fanboy that I would say that uh, relevancy in comics is, is necessarily something you could judge on a whole. Well, you know, but I mean, so like, you know. The it, relevancy of Spider-Man to... Somebody who is not. Oh, I don't mean in the real world, but yeah, I mean, yeah. are people still reading Archie? And, and I think there it is. Among you know, the comics, it's still uh, there. You know, among like you couldn't do like you could do a spider. Like the reason there's three Spider-Man movies is because it's a, it's a relevant story to Indeed. to the modern world. You put an Archie movie together, I don't know how big. it's Which they've be. been trying to do for quite some time. Yeah, and and it's like I said, it's not like a thing like with Snoopy where it lives through the generations because it's always being you know it's so popular it's always being rehashed. It's I like. Think I, I think it. Uh, when do you see the grim and gritty Snoopy that's coming? I think, uh, the grim and I gritty think Archie has gone through the generations for exactly what we mentioned earlier. It's the comic book that moms buy for sick kids. I don't. Well, I've been sick a lot. I don't even think parents do. Parents buy comics for kids anymore. Yeah, but they, oh. so the, here's the thing. Your mother didn't no, love you. Here's I, the problem. They don't buy them in comic book stores because moms don't go to comic book stores generally. They buy them in the supermarkets. And generally, the supermarkets aren't carrying the spinner racks anymore. Yeah, but I yeah. we had a um, a thing come through our class. It was a fanta- It was a Marvel, like some promotional thing with a Fantastic Four, and it was right before the movie came out. But it was like for the the elementary schools, and it was just free comic to try and get kids into it. And I could not get those kids. They'd they'd flip through it, and then they were just done with it. So it was almost one of those things where I'm like. I don't think kids are into comics anymore. So it's so to get back to the whole Betty and Veronica and I know you know because my experience is is the opposite. I mean, 
well, obviously, my kids are, are the children of, of a fanboy. Right. And therefore, you know, they're kind of, they're still in sort of their modeling. They're tainted. It's true. It's unfair. But I'm also at the high school I teach at. I am the moderator of the comic book club. And I thought that it was going to be, it was like, well, teen girls are all into manga. Oh, no, no, no. The rule the officers themselves set up is no manga. They're oh. only talking about. Heart, heart, about, right, but teenagers can appreciate a, a well-written story. We're, not, you know, in Archie, this is just you know paneled little sitcoms. Essentially, I, you know what? Right? That's, that's true. But and I think comic kids do. Strips, but I think kids right? do buy because Disney is is making a lot of money doing Disney uh, Princesses magazine, which features a comic strip per a comic book story per issue about one of the princesses. The Disney uh, is it Adventures, that little magazine for kids. Uh, there's yeah, also digest size. Puzzles and the it has puzzles and, and stuff, you know. but it also every two or three months it becomes Comic Zone, and everything is as a Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, a, a Jack Sparrow comic. There's a Herbie comic. How about Tailspin? There's a Tailspin <laughs> has been appearing. I don't think that kids know Tailspin. Like, I've always like Don Cornage makes all the difference. <laughs> See, anyway, so look, I, just, I mean, look, here we go. And you know what? Andy was really too old to have been watching Tailspin, and yet he knew. He knew. What yeah. do you know about Darkwing Duck? Silence. He flew a giant duck bill, I believe. Uh, yeah. Okay, there you go. So you knew something. I don't know. I'm just playing the devil's advocate just on the – I mean, to get back to the main topic of the artwork itself, um, I have to say that when you first showed it to me or you sent me the email or I think I saw it – no, no, you it sent us email. all an email um, – it kind of reminded me, and, and this is going to really come out bad, but it really looks like, um, how do I put this? Like, you know, like the bad, like, softcore. I was thinking French Kiss. Weird, like, you know, like the weird. I don't know what you're talking about. Honestly, I don't know what book I, I, you're referring to. What is French if, Kiss? Uh, uh, I better not ask. Andy that. should explain, because I've only seen them in his source. I, they just look like weird, <laughs> I almost like the artwork you'd see in one of those pamphlets that some of the the uh like abstinence groups push or whatever where it's like so and so decided to have sex and yeah, now their listen, life is ruined here, here, here's the thing right if i go and get this for my, my my daughter's older now but if you know my daughter was 10 or 11 my nieces i got a, i got an 11 year old niece uh-huh. if i gave this to my 11 year old niece you're looking got, at the classic yeah, it's, betty yeah and veronica looking at the classic right betty and veronica you know, it's got Archie with some hearts around him, and he's looking at Veronica. It's, it's a cartoon. It's, and there's a romance. plate of hamburgers between them. Yes, right. Well, J- Jughead is looking at the hamburgers. Yeah. What's Veronica cooking up? And Betty says, trouble! Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> see, you laughed. This is, That's funny. This, this has some romance stuff in it, and, you know, the, the little girl, she's 11 years old. She's probably like, you know... Yeah. But when you say sort of romance, thoughts. though, that's kind of a heavy word. This has no, but it's very platonic. This has like it's, innocent courting and courtship. Yeah, that's romance it. is well, something see, okay. so the thing is, different. So what I saw when I saw that cover for the Debbie, Betty and Veronica Digest thing, what I saw was I saw a romance book for sixteen-year-old girls. Awesome, and, and yeah. I don't think I want to see that. I guess, and that was my reaction was looking at it as a style was that. Um, I look at the, at the again this classic version, and it looks like I accept that Betty and Veronica are supposed to be attractive girls in a cartoony way, within the confines of their Kinda own universe. Kind of like Betty Rubble. You yes, Betty's hot. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> but I, I like Wilma better. But that's a whole different argument. Whoa, that was a Red Dwarf thing. Okay. Uh, you know, but the thing is, but again, yeah, you accept them with, as beautiful yeah. within their own context and it's kind of silly and it's like we have that kind of discussion who's hotter Betty or Wilma and it's just silly I do Betty 
I'm more a Rosie the Robot. Right. Right. I'm into big chicks. Right. Okay. But the thing is, and that's a silly conversation. Right. But you change the style to something where they look somewhat more realistic. Yeah. And then you have to, you know, then it's not a silly argument. Now it's like you're meant to judge them as almost real teams. The the same comedy won't work in that style. And it doesn't look comedy. Like, I looked at that drawing and I did not see comedy. I see this and I expect a laugh. And you know what? That almost that almost bleeds into the next topic. It does. That was my that was my intent. Well Segway. done. Yeah. Well done, Andy Mead, reading my mind. I think I may have to kill the myself segue now. Segway fairy has Which was uh, we were gonna say should you know, should comics have this innocence, this sense of fun? Because earlier today yeah. you were commenting to me that you're enjoying Daredevil, you're enjoying Captain America Captain America. I'm enjoying these these realistic, grim and gritty books where we're getting into like people's motivations and their sure. psyche and you know that kind of stuff right but if you're a sick kid at home from school you can't pick up the newest daredevil and get into it right exactly even if your mom did somehow stumble into a comic book shop rather than a grocery store personal story i was very ill when i was in junior high my mom went off to the store picked up sergeant fury like eight issues nice. of Sergeant Fury. There you go. I got my hit by a car. My, I was the first time I got an issue of Thor. First issue there of Thor go. I ever got was because no, I was in the hospital. The point is, the question that I had asked Derek anymore, or and, 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 the question I asked Derek And earlier, continually. Yeah, yes. Is, is there still a place for comics that are just fun? That, I mean, it's like... In the, in the modern marketplace? I'm, yeah. It's hard to say because there's real... Who's buying comics right now? I think you have to classify it's, what's just fun. Well... Um, You're not getting caught up in a lot of philosophy. A single issue yeah. story. Uh, the uh, stuff so that can, Paul Dini's doing on Detective. Right. Um, which he does um, say will ultimately tie in together. But okay. you don't need to understand that he's setting up a continuity because each individual I issue. You, uh, I don't need a whole issue going into the backstory of like how the Joker's mother was raped in front of him. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know. Um, uh, what what issue is that? Because I've never <laughs> no, read I've just, that. I've just okay. made that no. up. So, wow. I mean, it's like, that wouldn't make me. Great joking. origin story. Huh. Um Beats dropping into the vat of chemicals. Uh, uh, no, I, I'm happy with well, the vat of chemicals, really. <laughs> Maybe he was predisposed to go insane when he was dropped into the uh, vat okay. of vegetables. <laughs> vegetables. You well, haven't had dinner, have you? <laughs> when you? When you say just fun, I think of things like leave it a chance. Right? Leave it a chance was doggone that was exactly. fun. That was just plain no, no, exactly. fun. Yes. The Doc Frankenstein. Yes. It's just totally fun. Yes. Well, um, actually, it's got a very anti-religious move, uh, and, uh, you know, you know, message to it, but yes. Now, it's still fun. Okay. Uh, what about something like, I haven't read the first issue, but I saw a preview of that uh, irredeemable Ant-Man. Isn't that meant to be well, purely fun? Well, he's a jerk. But yes, it is it's fun. fun. It I is fun. But so he's, I mean, he's, one of the things that Derek, one of the ones we came up with was like Invincible. Okay. Um, Invincible is just, it's just fun. Savage Dragon. Fun superhero story stuff. Yeah, I think mm. the, I think Invincible yeah. is honestly, it, it says it's the world's greatest superhero comic or something like that and and i think it's true it is the best superhero comic book out today it's just fun it's bubbly it's everything that almost everything robert kirkman has written for marvel has not been yeah but the irredeemable ant-man is robert kirkman and it's fun it's like finally kirkman got to be kirkman and at marvel and i because i didn't really enjoy marvel team up uh zombies was okay i mean it was it was weird and twisted three issues too long but But then so, so we get we get the news of, you know, oh, the the Batwoman is a lesbian, and you know we're going to mm. you know explore her sexuality. Not fun. And it's like right. all these people come in and want to get that particular issue, and it's like while that's interesting and may may tell a good story, 
that's not you know you asked me what do I consider fun that's not the fun the fun is like the fighting fury from 1963 that Alan Moore did um, and in fact you bring up that Batwoman and it makes it and now feels like the DC holiday special which came out last week uh, the only story that really worked for me was the Green Lantern story um, because it was a character you sort of accepted. Yeah, it's you can do a Hal Jordan story and say, look, Hal Jordan is a long-standing character in the DC Universe, and I'll, I think every other story was about a character they've reintroduced, I would say the League of Matthew McConaughey's, characters that they are telling us we're going to love but haven't yet embraced. <laughs> so it's the new Supergirl. What's wrong it's with McConaughey? Because McConaughey hadn't made a movie, and he was on the cover of Time and Newsweek as the next Paul Newman. He's the sexiest man alive. Come no, on. he's not. The man doesn't bathe. But anyway, I'm just so saying. it's got Supergirl. It's got the Trials of Shazam. It doesn't actually have Captain Marvel or Captain Marvel Jr. It's the gods that are in Trials of Shazam doing a, a Christmas story. Batwoman. Characters that we're all supposed to go, oh, yeah. Um, That's not fun. It, and it wasn't, but the but the Green Lantern story was actually really good. Uh, I mean, interesting to actually, of course, it was good. It was written by uh, Keith Champagne, who's like an unsung guy, and I think, yeah, I do know him, but he's going to, uh, you know, I think he's break through. What, what did he Green Lantern like? Corps. He just wrote the Green Lantern Corps number really? seven. I, one of the things I was thinking was Guy Gardner. See, here, here. he put Guy Gardner in his place. What writer has done Guy, that? Guy Gardner. That that that's without story, causing brain damage that to story, it. That story. <laughs> Sometimes I don't need, sometimes, how to put this, sometimes all I need is, this is the good guy, this is the bad guy, let's have an adventure where the good guy tries to take care of the bad guy. Or solve the problem. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. it's like, that's all, you know, sometimes that's all I really want, and I was just thinking that the, the Green Lantern Corps. Number seven, yes, which just came out last week. I had fun with that issue because it's like. Guy Gardner doesn't have any motivations, really, ex- other than Guy Gardner. I don't have to get into Guy Gardner's psyche. Um, there will be an issue at some point. no one wants to be Guy Gardner. There will be an issue where there code. have been that will explain why Guy Gardner is the way he is. That's not fun. That's not – I mean, that's that's sort of what I'm looking for. I can tell you that issue's been there long gone, but, yeah. I've, uh, I've, 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 yeah. yeah, I don't well, want to know that. I just Guy, Guy Gardner's a jerk. Well, He's look at something like. Sorry, Kajama. No, go ahead. The, the last, the last comic that comes to my mind, I can think of as fun was uh, when they when Morrison relaunched the JLA. Um, wow! Again, the first, the that first four, spun my head around. The first four issues. Now it's it's like Andy Sand. Here's some. New, okay, we know our heroes, established heroes. Here's some established villains. You know, unstoppable. You know, so now it's it's your basic storytelling where it's you know heroes, an adventure. Villains stop the bad guy. And I, and I just want to issues. say, if Keith Champagne is listening to this, I did not plant that with Andy Mead. That was a legitimate gut reaction from him. Because you know, well, when I got when I was done reading the Green Lantern Corps, yes, I says, "Wow, that was fun." I said, "This was one of the better Green Lantern stories I've read." I flipped back to see who it was. I said, "Hey, Keith Champagne, I ate lunch with that guy. He probably doesn't <laughs> remember me, but I had lunch." That's with right. Him. I forgot you had. Yeah, they, yeah I had yeah, lunch. We with had him. lunch with him. Yeah, and it's like it's great because hey, look at a fun story. As opposed to, like I said, as much as I like Bendis, and I really do like Bendis, but you know, I get these these issue long things. He's asked you to stop calling. Of just <laughs> of just explaining stuff and and getting in deep into these characters, and it's like sometimes, as as stupid as it sounds, sometimes I just want to see two guys beat the crap out of each other. 
Like Rob Liefeld's splash pages? No. Oh, okay. No, okay. Never Not like okay. Rob Liefeld. Okay, okay, thanks for turning that sentiment to ash <laughs> in our mouths. I just wanted Great. to clarify. Because this so. is a problem I said in my, in my sp- comic spotlight column this week, how like Cable and Deadpool is like, you know, that's a Fabian... I'm not sure how to pronounce his name, and no offense to him, but that would be totally wrong. I I know that much, but as as much as I think that guy is, you know, he's a decent writer, and it doesn't, and he just he just does solid work. He's ending Thunderbolts because Warren Ellis is taking over. He's doing Cable and Deadpool, but you know, there is the Rob Liefeld thing. Is like I cannot get into Cable and Deadpool not because this guy isn't doing a good job writing them. It's because I know that Rob Liefeld created them, and I hate them, and I don't want them to have any support. And and yet, you know, they're okay characters. Yeah, they're fine. So, I'm, like I said, I'm just wondering. I mean, I see all the stuff that's selling, you know, and granted, I'm just a small microcosm of the comic, you know, world. But You're a large microcosm. I see what people are buying. I see what people seem to be talking about and what they seem to be enjoying. And a microcosm? It's like I don't see a lot of people coming in just, I mean, Invincibles doesn't sell Invincible. Doesn't sell nearly as well as the, like the new Avengers, which to me. But Invincible is also an image book, and does that mean is that yeah. back to what you know Image is saying is like give us a chance? Well, I, I like I said, you know, and the thing is, and Robert Kirkman is making no money off that book, and that's, I mean, no wonder he made a jump up to to Marvel since yeah. it came calling. Well, I don't I, know if he's making money off Walking Dead. But that's like one of the best books out there. Now that's not it's not fun. It's not fun at all. Oh, it's but, fun. What, Walking Dead? <laughs> no, it's Walking, a great book. I'm just awesome. saying. I don't. It's I don't care how they're going. I don't oh, close yeah, that yeah. and go. Gee, that was fun. It I'm was still fun in a massacre. You, you, you didn't read the last issue. No, I, I'm a little behind. But I, I, I did. That was that was really massive. That was the first time fun. I put. That was the first time I put down a comic book and felt bad. <laughs> like because, an evil, no, evil man. Yes, I enjoyed it. I was glad. And then I says, "Wow, what did I just feel good about?" <laughs> <laughs> no. oh, by the way, I just looked up behind uh, Rich. I know that there is a hardback copy of "Leave It to Chance" available here at uh, FanboyPlanet.comic. So you know, if we mention any book that you we mention here uh, as you know a, a and it's hardback a fan favorite. Yeah, this, this European album style. Oh, I also it's good looked, stuff. I also looked behind Rich's head and saw a. Liberty Meadows. Liberty Meadows poster. Which is also fun. Uh, Liberty that, Meadows was fun. That I, looks you know, really fun. <laughs> I, it, I, you know, but I, the last issue of Liberty Meadows that came out, I wasn't very happy because I I'm thought I'm just talking about the cover. I know. The bus but I thought that he'd lost kind of his innocence by just going over to go ahead and pandering to the adult fans. Liberty Meadows started out as a comic strip, and he had censorship. He, he dismissed my whole had, joke. I no, I, I got it. I, I got thought, it. I, I thought he did it. I thought it was funny. He had content. He thought it was funny, but but again, <laughs> I was just it, making a boob. But joke. I just thought That's it sad. wasn't. Uh, I heard you, Lon. <laughs> I understand that I can count on you for oh, the boob okay. joke. I was trying to elevate the discourse. Oh yeah, yeah um, discourse. I'm not sure what that Bell's means. Bill. Mm. Yeah, uh, but you know, I, the Frank. And I think that pampered. actually leads into our think. next topic, doesn't it? Which is last minute Christmas wishes. You want? Uh... Uh, no, I was just <laughs> trying to move on. <laughs> All right. No, no, let's let's have a conclusion that we. All right, I but you know I I do think I and I try to recommend uh, when a good family and when I say family, I mean a book that is appropriate for kids that adults can still enjoy. I love when people when somebody writes that because you know they used to, yep. and. I, think I, I had a guy this morning. I had a guy this morning come in, and he wanted to buy a. Uh, um, he, he wanted to get it. Like he was getting GI Joe for his kids, and we were talking about other stuff that's appropriate. I showed him some, you know, mm-hmm. Marvel adventure stuff. Invariably, when the kids come in, I go back to the Marvel Essentials and the DC showcases, because those books 
were fun. They need to know their history. I don't know if they need to know. Saw that in uh, the Daddy Daycare has that with the Flash, you know. All I'm, he wants all to fight the Joker, is, and he says, "No, you should be fighting Captain Cold, and Mirror Master. What are you teaching these kids?" <laughs> so the moment I respected Eddie Murphy's career in the last decade. All, all I'm saying is, I, I just <laughs> very nice. <laughs> I'd like to see some more fun books as opposed to everything just being so Warren Ellisy. And yeah, uh, and I like Warren Ellis is in his place too. But I, I, I but, love Warren Ellis. Sometimes you want steak. Sometimes, and sometimes I want to you see want that dessert. I want to see that blue dinosaur trying to get that hat off his head. Don't mock my. <laughs> Do not mock my, my tiny, tiny arms. arms. <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, and the showcase and the showcase and the essentials are really good buys if you want to take you know. But also some of the Marvel adventures and Marvel Age stuff is really good too. There's a lot of you know good appropriate kid appropriate stuff, but who's who's buying it? And that's you know the big question. Well, maybe that's the other thing though too. Maybe you know Marvel hasn't geared. Their major, you know, line of books towards kids in a long time. So maybe kids just don't know they're out there. So well, because parents wouldn't let kids. I mean, here's a, here's an example. I'm looking at this thing for Amazing Spider-Man 539. This is what it says here. Um, uh, Peter Parker experiences a change of heart and wardrobe following his actions during the during the war and a devastating personal tragedy. I don't. I want my seven-year-old to know about devastating personal tragedies. Yeah, and, he, and a war. Look, his wife is going to die, or Aunt May is going to die. Those are the only two personal tragedies I can think that Peter can have, right? Unless he loses an arm. Perhaps that, it's male cool. pattern baldness, psoriasis. It's, uh, psoriasis, something like that. I would consider that devastating. Okay, let's say that's what happens. Let's say he spider gets hemorrhoids. Spider hemorrhoids. <laughs> is that what we want to? Our no, about no, that? absolutely, absolutely. It's just saying, you know, it's awkward enough explaining. Certain things that you know, like I mean, I was supposed to when, when when all the stuff went on with Michael Jackson, whether you believe he did or didn't, having to explain to my daughter who was like at five at the time and who was listening to Thriller, to explain what a pedophile was, right? You know, yeah. having to explain that, and you know, it's like the real world is making it hard enough to try to maintain your children's innocence. And I don't mean you should keep kids ignorant, but I mean let them be kids. Let them have fun. Michael Jackson. Is I want to. I, I. But the thing is, it's like part of the reasons why I still read comic books is occasionally I want to be a kid again. Yes. I want to yes. throw away the fact. Absolutely. That I, you yeah. know, we belong just, to a generation who refused to turn their backs on, on, on their, being a kid. On, on being kids, yeah. I was just thinking another thing that just hit the, the early Astro City issues. Yeah. 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 Um, that, that I remember when I first read those, just loving the. And once again, it's just that Purity. pure, crazy superheroes. And and they're still out there, you know, and they're available in trades uh, here, of course, and everywhere. They're great. They're great things. And yeah, so there's a lot of stuff out there, but you have to go into the trade paperbacks. You have to go into the past. The exception being one of my recommendations, speak. You know, Marvel has She-Hulk, which you know, done in one. X-Men First Class. Jeff Parker is doing a really great job writing. Again, exactly what I'm talking about. A kid can pick it up. They don't need to know a lot. It's just kind of fun. So, what about the the way that they're the Marvel's going about it through like their their other mediums? Like, you know, Spider Man's big with the kids again because he had the hit movies. I mean, yeah. are his comics selling good with the kids? But no, you go to like a Toys R Us, there's rows and rows of Spider Man stuff, and you know, there's, absolutely. So, I mean, it's just one of those where I well, you know, Todd McFarlane gave an interview in last month's. Wizard and and I, I I heard Andy roll his eyes next to me and I would agree with this you know I mean I, I don't respect what Todd McFarlane means for the comic book industry I never really much did but I have to admit that he was right when he said that it's that comics are now just another ancillary project his kid goes and sees uh, ancillary product his kid goes and sees a Spider-Man movie he said ancillary I think the Wizard writer put it in his mouth <laughs> but um, he, he uses big words I've told you that. 
that he. Um, I don't think that word means what you think it. Means. Uh, it does, <laughs> uh, but it, it may not mean what what uh, Tom McFarlane thinks it does. But that his kid will see Spider Man doesn't mean his kid has to have the Spider Man pajamas, and comic or the sheets. And the comic books are the same way now. Just because you like Spider Man, okay. the comic books have become so the, just another Spider Man thing you could get. The movie get. is the core product to the to yes. the kids. Yeah, yeah, or the yeah, or the but, TV show, or the or the TV show, or the game, yeah. or whatever you know. But the thing is, if a kid came in here, which you know they don't anymore, but if a kid came in with his parents looking for Spider-Man stuff, I don't have a large chunk of stuff that I can give them. I got the Marvel Age, which isn't written very well. No, um, but the Marvel no Marvel Adventures was the bad one. Mar- right. Marvel Age has gotten better, but there's not much for there's really not much in the way of Spider-Man. Yeah, but I'm looking so. at the sensational right behind you, and that doesn't look very kid friendly. That's no, kind of frightening. No, it's not. And That's scary. what I'm saying. I don't. If I'm a kid came in right. looking for Spider-Man stuff, invariably I'm going to turn to the essentials. I'm going to turn to the stuff from the '60s because right. I know that's safe. Right. Yeah. Because look what it did to all of us. And it's just taking. And you, know, just, oh, you could give them like <laughs> the ultimate trades. The ultimate. The ultimates aren't too bad. The yeah. earlier stuff. Uh, the, the earlier, and then the it got worse. Yeah. But, you know, but wait, and the truth of the matter wait, is, wait. the ultimate Spider-Man, not the ultimate. That's what I meant. The right, ultimate right, right, versions right. of Spider-Man. But and, and what you're saying is now, and now there's, I think, as King Features is going back, and they're actually taking this, the Stan Lee, Steve Ditko Spider-Mans, and they're syndicating them as comic strips. They're breaking them down because that style, and so that they're yeah, thinking, panel size why not? Let's panel size. Let's you know, let's strip size them and put them there. Kids will read it that way mm-hmm. in the newspapers. I, I just, <laughs> my UPS driver came in with his son today, who was probably about six or seven. He he was he got the uh, there's only been four issues of Marvel Age Hulk. Mm-hmm. He had got all four of those, and he wanted something else. And I don't. I says, guy, yeah, you know Hulk, Planet Hulk, which is really good. I'm thinking that's really not really violent. Um, but, you can, but you can hand him the Hulk essentials. I could hand him the Hulk essentials, yeah. and I did show his dad. I said, hey, UPS driver. Um, Where's my package? Because you don't remember anybody's name, yeah. right? Yeah. But oh. how about but how about though? I mean, the marketing, like, because I, I just thought, like, right now, I remember back reading a kid or reading comics as a kid in the '70s, and you know, you'd have uh, whole pages that were uh, hostess uh, Twinkie ads. Twinkie yeah. ads. Oh, you those had, are the best, man. Yeah, and you had you know crossword puzzles and some ads, Twinkies and it was. The whole book, <laughs> the whole book was geared towards kids. I mean, if you were a kid, this was your medium. You know what I mean? Yeah. You pick up a comic now, it's geared towards you know people in their twenties or young yeah. teens or mm-hmm. whatever. And it's one of those things where you know you want to talk about getting kids into the comic store. It's like make a comic that. Well, it's almost chicken and the egg. It's almost chicken and egg. Do you got to wait for the kids to come? Right. To 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 make it viable to make something for kids, or do you make something for kids hoping the kids will come? Well, the kids, you can't sell them anything if there's nothing to have. So it's like you've got to put out something. This is why Scholastic jumped in and and was reprinting Bone. And I look over, I don't think you have any of the Scholastic editions, but... Um, Yes, I do. Oh, you do? Okay, wait, I do see those. You know, because then Scholastic can offer that through their book club. Perfect. You know, and Marvel should look at that, too, because that's right now the only... I mean, in this modern age... No, but they have to books, be well-written, too. No, but the yeah, other thing, too, is, though, books are a dying medium it, it, to the children these days. I mean, everything is online. Every, the newspaper well, is a no, dying no, no. medium. You look at the competition for the kids' money at different ages. Sure. And right now, there's just an explosion. You go into Barnes & Noble, they've got a whole rack. Uh, out of four science fiction racks, one of them is all manga. Mm, right, you know, and mm-hmm. that's selling. To and kids. you can't say kids aren't reading because the truth, of, you know, how they're many, sitting there right in the people, aisles at Barnes and Noble. And who? And right. how many people, you know, have the hardback editions 
of the Harry Potter books. Sure, yeah. sure. You know, I mean, Those for gosh good. sakes, they're they're good. They're you know, and and but that's the point. It's like, is that kids absolutely had to have them and Harry. You know, so if you offer them something that is well done yeah. and but see, fun, but they'll come. I wanted to, but that Harry Potter thing, that whole thing. It, it it might be a good book. I haven't read it, but you have to admit a lot of that was hype too. Once everybody said you got to get the new Harry no, Potter books, they are good books. Sure, yeah. no, 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 sure. Because I'm just saying, a lot no. of that was oh. hype, but yeah, you know what? So Eventually, hype wears thin. Yeah. And what keeps hype going is if people legitimately like it. And long before sure. I ever read a Harry Potter book, when I was out of teaching for a few years, I read a teacher who actually said to me, "You know, thank heavens for Harry Potter because." It's got my kids reading, yeah. and now they're interested in what else I have they go to, to the teach. Right. And they want to find right. another book. And, you like know, it. and Harry Potter leads to Aragon being published. Um, okay, so it's not the best. Lemony Snicket, no, I mean, yeah. or yeah. The, the thing is, yeah, the Lemony. Oh, series of unfortunate events are great. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's been a whole, not a great movie. There's almost but been a resurgence in children's literature. Children's literature, and not the crazy Hillary Clinton books. You know, I mean, real, real books. Okay, but that's okay. So, was but she we're in the talking, Archie series, or uh, yes, no, but okay. But here's the thing, though: we're comparing apples to oranges with Not books and comic books because a, you can sit with right. a book for you know days and get into a book, whereas a comic is twenty something pages. You're done with it. It's, oh, you're you know, not done with it at that age. I, well, that's the thing. I'm, that's what I'm trying to to, to you, figure out. You read it again, and then you cut the pictures out, and you glue them to things. Um, well, the we, kids still know, do if that. We could develop cult- culturally. Um, you, you, know, you have two. I have I have three nephews and three nieces. And they like and the comics. <laughs> the nieces were in here the other day, and they were on that wall with my children's stuff, just grabbing stuff and flipping through it. Um, and uh, you know, the thing is, though, my family's always valued reading. I don't know if. Well, there you go. Is it an exposure thing? Like you said, they yeah, don't have they don't have the spin yeah. racks anymore. So I mean, it's the, you know the thing is, quite honestly, without the spin racks and stuff. I'm not sure how many comics my nieces and nephews actually come across. You know, think about it. In, when I was growing up, I couldn't go anywhere. I mean, I'd go into the drugstore. My mom needed to get a prescription. Go over by the comics. I'm going to go. The comics were everywhere in every store. Yeah. Barnes & Noble does comics in the racks of the magazines, and they do these bizarre, like, uh, flip books. And Borders has Borders has uh, spinner racks. But, but they're, they're, like, not continuity. They're, like, you know, I can't imagine trying to pick up. An issue or a storyline from anything they they throw in. Well, that no, I'm just saying you can you can go uh, you can go into Borders. I know they have a comic book rack and they carry you know stuff. And I've seen oh. um, an occasional occasionally I've seen experiment like at Long's Drugs or something. You'll occasionally see one that has one, and and you know they're trying I'm to get just, it back in there. I'm just saying, like working with because I work with the younger age kids, and it's like. I don't see them even like to them. It's all video Those games, are game and, games, man. Well, that's true. I do work in the inner city, but um, I, I was just paying. Oh, okay. So. But uh, you know, so so I, as a comic book fan, I always wonder: Is this art form gonna last? Because I always, you know, I sit there and go, God, you really start to wonder. So I don't know. It would be great if comics were fun again, because then more back to the main point. Mm-hmm. I would, I would love more, co- you know, more fun comics. Because yeah, I want fun. That's what it really comes down to. And yeah, and it's you know, I want fun. Bring it back. They don't want Watchmen, as we were just saying earlier. Alan Moore was quoted once as saying that the entire industry changed because Alan Moore had one bad year. He was a, meaning he was in a bad mood, so <laughs> everything became grim and gritty. <clears throat> so and a lot of the stuff he's done since then has been in direct response to the reaction to Watchmen. Yeah, nineteen sixty three, uh, the ABC line, ABC America's Rise. Best Comics. Yeah. And the Tom Strong stuff is fun. 
Oh my gosh, that's yeah. fun stuff. But you see the one where like Tom's. But mom Promethea is like taking drugs. The, he so. found the aliens that were actually like gloves. But then <laughs> the gloves were like on the hands of like a dead body and animating it. And he says, "I think you're really the gloves." And the gloves said, "Oh, he discovered us." And, <laughs> you know, but it was it was so well written and such a good story. I didn't care how stupid it was. Yeah, yeah. it's great stuff. So there we go. Um, so uh, should we do we any last minute Christmas wishes we have? You know, this is our our last podcast before. before before I leave everyone's opening gifts. And yes. we have gifts here to open. I just I just, <laughs> I just wish for that all the people in the world could join hands. Oh, shut up, Miss America. The, oh, sorry. <laughs> it's I, Miss USA. I like the, original, the original artwork to Zatanna Number 1 by Ryan Sook. I heard a French guy bought it. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I'd like that. I know that hurts you. Yeah. Why, like, is she like naked in her No, no, it's, it's just, just really it's well just done. Amazing, amazing cover. Hmm. I And I'd also like a... Uh, some original drawings. A by Nintendo Wii. Oh. oh. Mm. <laughs> no, I don't want a Nintendo Wii. Okay. I'd like some original. I'd like some original artwork from Matt Wagner. Okay. Any legitimate, you know, <laughs> stuff we can but actually it, get, what, dude. If, it, if it's a Christmas wish, I mean, you know, what the hell? I'm supposed to come up with something. That's I know. I know. All right, you know, then I want a Green Lantern power ring, and that actually works. No, there okay. my stuff actually exists. Oh, do you sorry. want uh, Golden Age or uh, or Silver Age? Ring? One that doesn't. Would have you the rather yellow have weakness? the weakness? Oh, really, yellow. You'd you rather really? be vulnerable to wood. No, no. Oh, the, you are the now. Kyle Rayner one. Do you really want to find <laughs> out you don't have the willpower to drive it? Oh, uh, no. See, there's that great irony that in the Duck Dodgers episode with Green Loontern, when he gets the ring, he gets Hal's ring, and Kevin Smith voiced Hal, and it's like, yeah, like, Kevin Smith had the willpower to... <laughs> well, you know, with, with, with my ADD, I'd never get the ring Which we would explain. It's like, uh, halt, Sinestro. I like fruit pie. <laughs> <laughs> so. It's like, hey, wow, look at that. That's that big giant fist. You know, that hand needs a manicure. Which, you know, I just noticed I was staring at the uh, Tenacious D Pick of Destiny poster, as I have it in my office. No, it, We're it, all it looking just, around. Yeah, I, don't have I know. One of those. We don't have one of those. But the way it looks is remember Jack Black was supposed to play Kyle Rayner and kept denying this and, oh. kept, and alternately denying and admitting that it was. Not, if you look at that poster, the Pick of Destiny is a little green glowing object, and it's like this little secret F you to fans because it looks exactly like he's reaching up to get a ring on his finger, even though it's that classic Adam, God giving Adam life thing. But it's like, it, and then there's this red hand of, of, of Satan, sort of like, is it Sinestro's hand no. reaching for it? It's like, and no doubt. I think that's a fanboy wanting something more. Uh, no, I don't want him to be Green Lantern. Mm. I think he's too fat. I think that was the joke, yes. though. He could be Doby Dickles. And oh, uh, speaking of Doby Dickles, our next top. No, I'm kidding. What's next? Uh, well, as we, were, uh, we have this one little movie thing before Christmas is that Guillermo del Toro is apparently producing everything in the next uh, every superhero movie. He's got on his list, uh, aside from Hellboy 2, which he's supposed to start uh, filming this spring. That'll be good. He's producing good Dead Man. That'll be... Really? In, we don't know. We don't know if it'll be good. Mm-hmm. That'll be medium. He also just got the rights to Tarzan. That will not be good. Yeah. Well, do we really need... What, no okay, one can back Tarzan to, right. Back to relevance. Okay. Archie. Okay. Tarzan. Yeah. What? Oh, oh, come on. Tarzan's, Tarzan's great. great. No, I know, but I'm just uh, saying to the new audience... Gener- the, the Nowadays, okay, back then it was more plausible... Oh, the, you left the baby in the forest, and he was raised by girls. Now it's like with, with Animal Planet and everything. Like, well, if you do it as a period piece, it wouldn't period it still piece. work? Yeah. No, but I mean, I'm just saying the the audience now is the audience now going to be as I want to say so, gullible, yeah. so but the, I think we, if he jumps ahead to Opar, so here's the question: Do we yeah. have a realistic 
Grim and gritty Tarzan, or do we have the fun Tarzan where he like talks to monkeys? <laughs> uh, you go back. To I think he's talking to monkeys because I mean, you go Guillermo del Toro is you know he's got a, a sense of the fantastic. I mean, obviously he was right for Hellboy. I haven't seen Pan's Labyrinth yet, but I'm hearing that that's tremendous. Have you read the original Tarzan novels? Yeah, yes. that's what I was just yes. going to say. If you go back to the Edgar Rice Burroughs he's Tarzan, ripping the, he's ripping the necks off, you know, tearing. But into he's the savage, but he's also cultured. He yeah. knows he can speak well. He, well, he has not, not the start. He's well spoken well, not, for not, an ape man. Yeah, but yeah, but are we going to get another legend of Greystoke? I mean, it's, it, or do we all know that too well? Do you need to go back and retell the origin? Because I think capturing the spirit. I think the Disney Tarzan actually got that out. Yeah, oh, I forgot about the Disney Tarzan. I think you need the story, but you can do it in three minutes. Tarzan may have been the best Tarzan story told since. Oh, I, I yeah. the or, early Johnny Weissmuller stuff, except I, for I, the I, whole I, skateboarder thing. I didn't like yeah. that. Yeah, I you know, but it was just a way of it was. Uh, being a visual metaphor, I'm not fine with that. You know, it, it, it was all right. I thought it was kind of cool in its own way. And yeah. there you go. The other thing is, Madman is finally moving forward. Robert Rodriguez is decided he's going to produce. He's relinquished directing rights, uh, so they're going. Uh, they've said that Madman will happen in the next year, but possibly that Mike Allred may come on and direct himself, which will be. No, Madman for for us who are not so indie comic. It's not Alfred E. Newman. No, no but tell what's the what's the appeal of Madman? What's the story? It's I don't fun. know it. It's a yeah. It's a resurrected corpse who wears the superhero outfit, and it's got is he Frank N. Stein? I mean, yeah, like he has right. no memory of who he really was before, so they call him Frank N. Stein. He's resurrected by mad scientist, and he just has these really. He lives in Snap City and has these weird adventures. Now, the, adventures. I always get him confused with Freakazoid. They're totally different. Um, actually, no, they are, they're not they are that very different. Soulful cousins, very similar. Yeah, and, okay. and there's one. What the heck happened to Freakazoid, huh? That was actually, you know, that's a fun series. Was that a comic first? No. No, no it was a Steven TV Spielberg show. wanted to do like a, he wanted to do his version of Spider-Man, and that's what he came up with. Yeah. Warner it was Brothers. a modern. Because when I saw Freakazoid, I immediately went, oh, it's Madman. And then I went, wait a minute, no. No, but they are, they're, yeah. they're similar enough in Okay, tone. so he's essentially then just a dead superhero who's kind of wacky and yeah. fun. Yeah, he doesn't know. He's kind of like a, a Jim Carrey. Uh, the flaming carrot to him, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah but it's yeah. A, a lot more accessible. I like the flaming carrot. But it's a lot more accessible than the flaming carrot. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And, and then the big one we didn't... Oh, there it is, Madman Gargantua. Right. Mike Allred is... Re, yeah. um, has there been another uh, Mike Allred's Golden Plates in, like, over a year? No. No. So there you go. Um, that plan to adapt the Book of Mormon, unfortunately, fell by the wayside because of money. I was afraid of that. Um, actually, it was a noble experiment, but really not all that entertaining. And then uh, the last thing, movie-wise, is, of course, last week... Uh, Sam Raimi uh, went into a partnership with Columbia Pictures and got the rights to da- make The Shadow. Oh. So. That's, you know, actually, I have a movie question for you. Yes? You saw Rocky last weekend. I did see Rocky Balboa. And I've been checking the Fanboy Planet website waiting for the review. The, the review came up today. The review went up at 11.30 last night. Oh, yeah. Like, I've got to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning. Okay, but can I... I get but a quick, can I get a quick synopsis of a review? <laughs> You could uh, read the website. You oh. could read the, yeah, it's there, but that's okay. Uh, is that I thought that it was a very earnest, heartfelt film, mm-hmm. but it spends so much time reminding us about the first film that people really liked that it doesn't really carve new ground. And he's just a little past his prime. And uh, and I'm sorry, and I hate to re- rip on somebody for this, but Sylvester Stallone looks like a bad wax dummy of himself. The plastic surgery is so bad. that uh, And he's, you know, he's honestly Would you say he still it. has the eye of the tiger, though? Uh, I think his eye was actually replaced oh, by a tiger's eye. Is that a seeing eye dog he used is going up the steps? No, that- punchy. Yeah, it just it, a lot of subplots go nowhere because he suddenly has to, you know, you got to have a fight. 
And unfortunately, I think that the thing is, that while the original Rocky was probably, you know, was pretty stirring, it was definitely changing. One of those movies that you say you point to is like changing the way movies worked. Uh, you know, in the mid seventies, say Jaws, Rocky, Star Wars, kind of a trifecta of you know, Wild Towns coming out, and even when you did like Rambo, First Blood Part Two, and uh, Rocky Four, these are like these total eighties movies that he gave the audience exactly what they wanted. But it was, I think, they were also kind of the worst of the excesses of the 80s in filmmaking, and he's still doing that. He's trying yeah. to strip himself well, down. But, but have you, like, if anybody sat in a movie theater when this trailer comes on, the I crowd know. gets pumped And I'll tell you, I went up to the Kabuki last week, and, yeah, and the crowd was getting pumped like crazy through stuff, and I'm like, because they were desperate. They were desperate to respond to Rocky. So anytime it started to look like it was going to do that, do something new, they were like, yeah, Rocky! And then, <laughs> oh... We got excited 10 minutes too soon. And then finally, when the fight comes, we're like, yeah, yeah. But then, you know, I mean, he's made fun of the character in the Lipton, Lipton commercials. And he goes to this black and white, and he does, and I realize that the fight scene even looks like a Gatorade ad because he does it in black and white, and they bleed red, and, they, and they're sweated, you know, oh, it turns color. Oh, it's you're like, kidding me. It, it's like, I know he wants to play with the tools he has available now, and I don't think he's down and out as a filmmaker. It's just, you know, come on. It, it really is saying goodbye to Rocky. And I know he needed to do it after Rocky Five. He needed to do it with some kind of dignity, and I think he sort of accomplishes that. But it just wasn't that entertaining. Wasn't Rocky Five supposed to be the goodbye? Right, Rocky? and that failed. You know, the <laughs> thing is, I heard an interview with him recently where he's where basically he said, you know, I don't know what the hell happened with Rocky Five. I said, you know, I just blew it. I was off my game. It just sucked, and it wasn't what he wanted. Yeah, how he wanted Rocky to go out. So this is how he wants Rocky to go out, and it's not horrible. I think people that really are really Rocky fans, and I'll admit, I'm not particularly. You know, it's they'll they'll be. Can I can I say a quick Rocky side note? Sure. Uh, I've noticed that with this movie coming out and the uh, they've just recently been promoting the DVDs on television. You know, Rocky's mm-hmm. back on DVD. And we got action figures coming too. The yep. action figures. Meat. I was in Toys R Us last night. They Did you get r- meat? No, they have Rocky two action figures. And guess who's a featured action figure? Lon Lopez. How the hell did that no, happen? No, Brent Musburger. You you can purchase a Brent Musburger action figure. An action figure. That's almost better than the meat. That's what my children want in their stocking this year. (laughs) Yes! It's like, imagine having a young kid who's really into journalism, and you're like, look, uh, look, son, I brought you the Brent Brent Musburger figure. Walmart will do the special packaging of Brent and meat in one box. Oh, (laughs) Walmart. Yeah. So, awesome. Yes. So yeah. maybe awesome. yes, Stallone does need to say goodbye. All right. So yeah, we don't. Rocky. So we but don't, we didn't talk about the shadow. Don't move on before do we? that. Well, okay. So uh, Sam Raimi had wanted to do the shadow. You know, I, I talked about this on the BBC last week, and they said, well, "Wait, wasn't there already a shadow movie with Alec Baldwin like twelve and years you said, ago?" Bullocks. Oh, Bullocks. No, I said Bullocks. there was, and uh, and, uh, and, it, and and it's not a very good movie. And, uh, and that's really why they're eager to do it again. But Sam Raimi had wanted to direct that one, and uh, Universal, I think, had the rights then, said no. He was too untried. So he went and created Darkman, which I think ended up coming out before The Shadow. And didn't it make more yes, money? And I think it made more money than <laughs> The Shadow. And, <laughs> and it was a better film than The And Shadow. it was a better film. And you know brought Liam Neeson to kind of a mainstream Dark attention. Darkman was fun, and, it also and, and Darkman. Gave, here's uh, the character, fun. and Darkman's got a comic book on the on the shelves right now. Darkman versus Army of Darkness. Like, you know, and, one, yeah. One of the things that I've always said after seeing Spider, the first Spider-Man movie, was after you you watch Darkman, you see Sam Raimi making his progression as a filmmaker. Yeah, 
a lot of stuff that he learned making Darkman. Oh, yeah. Set him up for Spider-Man. It, it oh, yeah. Spider-Man. It was the first really good. Which means he could make he could make an astounding Shadow film. And now, and, yeah. and Rick mentioned then the week before that was actually officially announced by the Hollywood Reporter, the rumor was out there that actually the deal has gotten him all of the Street and Smith characters, so that he was planning to do like a League of Extraordinary Pulp Gentlemen or something. That you'd have Doc Savage, the Spider, G Eight. Uh, the Avenger. You I could can't. still do that, and you could do it just with those guys just showing up, like in a scene. I would like just to get. I would just like a. Awesome. I would just like that. I mean, what they're doing on on Smallville, yeah. Martian Manhunter's been cameo- cameoing by you see red eyes, and crumbled Oreos, <laughs> and they've just they've cast Phil Morris, uh, Greg Morris's son, you know, the Mission Impossible guy, Phil Morris, who was the Johnny Cochran like lawyer on Seinfeld, is going to play John Jones on Smallville. But before they had that actor, they were just going with the glowing red eyes and the Oreos. And it's like, and that's just a cool shout out to For those fans. who know what that's about. And this guy. Okay, so now, uh, now back to the youngster again. Explain the relevance of the shadow. And explain, not relevance, I should say, he but. He knows what ooh, lurks ooh, in the ooh. hearts of Eagle Man. No, no, no. Back when children read. Not no, the no, children I, no, I know yeah. his history. You know, I'm saying, but give, like, we're like Batman. You say. You know, uh, you know, okay, uh, so parents slain, Venger of the night, you know, vigilante. Yeah, off yeah, well, he's sort of like Moon Knight in yeah. that he has several identities, only unlike Moon Knight, he kept them all straight. He's Kent Allard. He's right. Lamont Cranston. I he is Kent Allard. He, he really takes is. on Lamont Cranston's identity Lamont, when he's out of town. Yeah. And Margot Lane is, is Lamont Cranston's girlfriend. Um, who doesn't know the difference, apparently. Know, apparently the difference. <laughs> Now, did they explore that in the movie, or no? He was no. just Lamont Cranston. Yeah, was yeah he was just Lamont. He was yeah, called Yinko. Movie, movie. No, he wasn't even called Yinko. Yinko is the one that Howard Chaykin added when he did it for DC. Which yeah. uh, so somebody, basically, he's like he's he was a ninja before people got what ninjas were. In a hat. He has the power to cloud so martial minds. arts. He's yeah. a ninja in a hat. Yeah, he's got martial arts abilities. He has the slouch hat, the cape, the ring, and the ring that marks people, hypnotizes people, and he marks people as a spider. The the spider and the phantom. The phantom also marks people. Um, but he basically Batman was inspired by him. There, and he has a team of operatives. What's up with the big nose? What's that? He just has a big nose. No, no, it's it's actually part of a disguise. Really? I believe, I believe You just taught me something because yeah. I thought, and, and the movie with Alec Baldwin handled that poorly. It was like he yeah. was able to access his shadow self, and that shadow self was much uglier than Alec Baldwin and got a bigger nose. I will check on that. And that made, I just thought that that was the way it always... That, See, I thought he wore a disguise. Well, he wears, he wears a, ca- a the, the nose was so scarf big around his face. Because I, I thought that the spider was the one that had the disguise, like he wore, fa- wore fangs he wears and a fang, wig you know, and a yeah. hump. He doesn't have... It's bizarre. He doesn't have a big nose. He there's a, shadow, he has there's a, big a nose, great book. disguise. There's a great book yeah. called Phil, by Philip Jose Farmer called um, uh, Doc Savage's Apocalyptic, Apocalyptic Life, Life. Yeah. where he goes back and explains all of the pulp heroes. It is a it is a literary them. scholarship called Wold Newtonism. Right. Yes. And, and there's also uh, Tarzan. Tarzan Alive. Uh, Tarzan Alive. So yeah. actually, Tarzan Alive is the the core, the core book. There. Yeah. There are yeah. two great biographies of the pulp heroes, tying them all together, and that's that's them. So hmm. the shadow. He beats up bad guys. He's, he's like got martial arts, and he's he got looks like cool. hip, these creepy hypno powers. He okay. uses guns. And Orson Welles uh, was, played him in the radio, and yeah. so it was uh, mm. like where Orson Welles really got his start before War of the Worlds. Okay, so now sell the shadow to a modern market. You know what I mean? Like we, you know, so yeah, he's he a vigilante. <laughs> I think he could. I think he probably did. Um, you know, no, he just he 
No, just, do you, okay. He kicks butt, takes names, and nobody knows he was there. Yeah. So Sam Raimi does this new movie. Is he making it a period piece? He's got to, right? He's I would, put it I in would the think 30s. he would. I would do a period piece. You know, and I, then uh, maybe... I mean, know. Howard Chaykin updated him, and it was really cool. Howard Chaykin did a yeah. great job, and then he kind of left the series. And, you know, that's, and he met Batman. and you know, Yeah, they said that for a while. That Batman was influenced by the Shadow yeah. when... Uh, DC owned the rights to do Shadow Books, and I don't know who owns it now or who okay. has the licensing. Because I think, that, you know, yeah. you said originally the idea was to get all the characters in one movie or whatever. I think you could sell that easier than just a standalone Shadow movie because I think everybody, I know, because, everybody goes, oh, the Alec Baldwin movie? They're making that? You know what I mean? So, I don't know because I think that culturally it's just the kids will go see anything as long as they think the guy is cool. If you can. Sure. I mean, that's what The Rock is about. You know, The Rock in and of himself is practically a superhero. There doesn't seem to do well in other movies because they want to see The Rock. They don't want to see The Rock as some other hero. The problem with some of these is there are there are iconic characters to a generation, yes. and they haven't had a, a presence for too long. the The Phantom is right in there, same time period, same uh, distribution as uh, The Shadow. I mean, more more comic oriented. And we're talking. This is an American problem too, yeah. because the, if you bring up the Phantom, the Phantom has an amusement park in Norway. I mean, that it's like, and, and, and it's globally stupid Norwegians. No, I mean globally, the Phantom they love. They don't really yeah. like American superheroes all that much, oh, but they love the I've Phantom. I've alienated an entire country. Yeah, way to it's go. It's Norway. Who cares? And you talk about somebody. <laughs> the Phantom had legacy. Number the the Phantom character got handed off father to son yeah. through generations. Yeah. It's a great story. Yeah, and, but you know, the movie bombed because they ignored a lot. Uh, of and that. the movie sucked. Yeah, yeah. And he deserved to bomb. And he dresses in purple. Yeah, you see a big purple guy riding not a, a good horse color. through no. the desert. That's not a Phantom. That's a Phantom. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Well, then it should appeal. To I like Doc certain. Savage though. Love Doc oh, Savage. Doc okay, Savage. now awesome. explain Doc Savage to me. Have you read Doc Frankenstein? No. Yeah, it's just like that, except with a. Uh, but except he's not dead. Except but he's human just, without a Frankenstein. But Doc no, Sav- like Doc powers. Savage, no, he's just no. A, he's a regular human being who has been scientifically trained and developed into the ultimate man. And yeah. he's super smart. And he's kind of yeah, like Brock Sampson from Venture Brothers. Yes, like right. Brock Sampson, only with much more of a conscience. He doesn't because he, he well, doesn't and, kill. And, and, he I, can, can, and I can trace this. Brock Sampson comes from obviously Race Bannon, though Race Bannon has appeared on the Venture Brothers. And Race Bannon, Bannon was actually supposed to be Doc Savage, and and Hanna Barbera couldn't get the rights to do that. Doc Savage, so they changed it to Race Bannon, and they put the kid in, and they named the show after the kid, and became Johnny Quest. Wow. Mm-hmm. So it was originally supposed Sean to be Black. a Doc Savage pilot. I didn't know that. Yeah. And super, a lot of the Superman mythos actually has been appropriated from Doc Savage. Doc Savage yeah. had the Fortress of Solitude in the Arctic. His name is Clark. Really? His, his father yeah. raised him to be this. Clark and, Savage Jr. And Philip Jose Farmer basically hypothesizes that Clark Savage Sr. was Jack the Ripper, got sane, realized what he had done was wrong, had unleashed evil on the world, and so he raised his son to uh, to basically undo the evil that he had committed. Is there Ralph, anything Ralph you Digme, don't know? Ralph Digby cut the Jack the Ripper. And Ralph Digby, uh, wait, no, we can't say that yet because that's in this week's 52. Don't ruin it for me. Ah. Um, too, ru- too ruined. Now, see, right there, from what you just said about Doc Savage, I would see a Doc Savage movie because yeah, that totally. sounds really cool. And there is a lame Doc Savage movie bad Doc Ron Savage Ely, movie. who was not a bad Doc and Savage. Let me, let me tell a bad you, movie. if you like that premise, you should be reading Doc Frankenstein. Absolutely, yeah. which Doc is basically... 
It's Doc Savage, but Doc Savage, instead of being this superhuman man, is the Frankenstein monster. Frankenstein monster. <laughs> yeah. so, how, how can you go wrong? You can't. You can't. But he wears the Avengers outfit, so that's you know the kind of thing. He's got the total Avenger look. Ah, so obviously the exposed brain was weakness after all. Hmm. All right. So and now, now the final. When you say the Avengers, you got to explain that. I mean, that the another Avenger, pulp, another Avenger. pulp hero, uh, co-created. Also done by Kenneth Robson. Robson co-created. Robson. Actually, see, Kenneth Robson would be a, a serial pen one. name. Rick's getting excited. Okay, yeah. a pen. Name Sorry. actually co-created by the guy who created Doc Savage and the guy who created the Shadow. Shadow. They got together for the Avenger, who is Richard Henry Benson, who is already a world-class adventurer. He has suffers a huge trauma that causes his face to be paralyzed, and as a result of that, he can actually awesome shape power. his face into any face he wants he's it to be. Disguise. So he's a master of disguise. He's small. But his but his quality of muscle, not quantity of muscle, so he's actually stronger than most of the guys. He's short, so he can wear lifts in his shoes. Right, to right. Get, to Whereas Doc Savage him. was like seven feet tall. It's yeah, very yeah. hard for if Doc Savage to disguise himself. some of them old, I mean, they, they reprint some of this Got stuff. Got them all. Got them you know, I'm just saying, people out there, yeah. some of that stuff, I mean, it's like, I still go back and reread my Edgar Rice Burroughs, Tarzan. Oh, man, the first, the first Avengers novel, uh, the first Avenger novel, Justice Incorporated, is great. Is great. And yeah. DC did that as a as yeah, a and it was a four track issue. Track them down, find them in. But then Jack Kirby stepped in, and it got weird. Oh, it got weird before it could even get anything. The yeah, first issue of Justice Incorporated was King? great. I am. The first issue of Justice Incorporated from DC is really good. A great adaptation of that first yep. story. And then Jack Kirby stepped in and immediately brought in monsters, and <laughs> and it just got weird. A cosmic cube, and, and then it was part of the DC implosion. It yeah. just immediately, you know. But I mean, so what? Cosmic cube in the DC universe? Yeah. No. All right. So we have one last uh, thing tonight. Rick is just kind, and he's given us all Christmas well, we presents. Wait for oh, Steve. Steve. We got to yep. wait for Steve. We're, Steve's oh, we're helping oh, customers. He's helping we'll customers, fill. which we'll is fill. good. We're going to fill. Um, so uh, there we go. You guys want to talk about uh, real quick while we're filling the. Uh, Casualties of War that I was discussing earlier today. Oh, that Michael J. Fox and Sean Penn movie. Yes, <laughs> yes, no. and Captain Michael J. Fox plays Captain America. Sarge, what are we they, doing Sean here? Play, Sean Penn plays Iron I, Man. Rick hasn't read it. and I don't want to give too much away. I've so, read it. Well, I haven't read it either. What it is is the premise is this. I'm not going to read it. So it's Captain okay. America and Iron Man get together. Oh, yeah. yeah. I heard you talking the, about at it, this right. point in Civil War to have a conversation to try and convince each other to to basically. Join the other one side. So what you're saying that this is after Iron Man has had Clor kill Black Goliath? Yes, they, so they bring that up, and 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 there's this really um, there's this really, awkward. There's, there's a there's a scene where where they've they ruined Aurora and T'Challa's wedding. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> no, there's a, there's 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 a scene where where uh, Tony St- or Iron, Captain America says, "Yeah, well that was that was before uh, you guys killed Bill." I think is. Bill Foster. Bill Foster. Yeah. Says that oh, he wasn't talking about the that movie before you kill Bill. Bill. And no. Tony Stark sort of like puts his, his arm against the wall and leans his head down. He goes, he goes, do you really think that's what I meant to happen? And it's like, you know, um, they're having a frank. I mean, the whole book yeah. is really a frank, honest discussion of how things have gotten to where they did, are. Did Cap reply, yeah, that's Tony. why you called them well, cape killers. Well, no, that, that's what Captain America said something along the lines. He goes, what did you think was going to happen? You- Okay. And I mentioned I, I was mentioning to Derek. I said, "This is the story, or this is the kind of conversation and stuff that they needed to have at the beginning." This gives that us, makes too much sense. Things well, don't happen that way in real well, no, life. This gives me more motivation for why Tony Stark's working the way he is. It, what they do is it. Oh, you're saying to to give you a reason to continue reading the series? Well, no, yeah, it gives me to, to, to believe yeah. the characters that, that they're doing what they're doing. Yeah. I mean, and the thing is, what they do through the whole book, they'll say, he'll say he'll say. 
Well, you remember back during Iron Wars how you came up behind me when I wasn't looking and you, you bonked me Armor in the back Wars. of the head. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I didn't read that, whatever it was. Um, and, then, and then it said, well, do you remember in uh, Mystery of Suspense when uh, I, you know, I, they, they don't actually quote the... Uh, Mystery the of Suspense? I don't know. The, Tales it, of Suspense. Tales, yeah. Do you remember back in Tales of Suspense Journey when the chameleon convinced me that um, he was you and I attacked you? And they go through these things about where Captain America Strange and Iron Man have actually like stories. been against each other. So it's kind of like uh, McCartney stories. and uh, uh, Lennon kind of discussing... Amazing the Beatles breaking up? Oh. Yeah, maybe it's like that. Maybe is there a Yoko in Civil War? Or? But at, at the end of the book, the very last page, they have a listing of, of all the issues. They, they have a listing of all the issues that were referenced. Journey into weirdness. Um, they said, we, we covered a lot of history here. This is where all this stuff appeared. Adult sports. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Andy brings up a good, a good point. Um, and Derek, we have to tap your knowledge for this. So he says it. Oh well, I'm here. It brings. You said it. It, it Green cites sleeves? what? Green sleeve. Gildersleeve. Gildersleeve. So Ooh, you, what can I do to help you? Go ahead. So Andy, you say that they cite all the things in their the past history. Yes, they do. Okay, weren't we talking earlier about continuity and how Marvel isn't playing by their own continuity rules, and now they're citing their continuity? That's, that, the thing is, that's why this, in my opinion, that so far <laughs> has been the single best written This sounds Civil like War a thing. course correction. This sounds like they realize yes. that they were off course, and they're, they're, they've come in and they're, they're filling in to kind of Yeah, and that's what I was saying, is that it feels like that too many of these things are, that they are uh, correcting, that are listening to criticism, sort of like... The Infinite Crisis trade paperback in which huge chunks of dialogue have changed now in response to how the fans reacted the first time around, trying to change things. They've added in pages. And someone was sitting here at this store, I don't know who, and seriously, not anyone who's here right now, a customer was trying to tell me, no, it was that way, and it's like really cool. And I'm like, yeah, and they're fixing it because they blew it the first time around. And Marvel's trying to fix it by, instead of giving you a trade, which you're going to get anyway, they're throwing in all these extra issues to sort of, you know, give you that storyline that you wanted. Yeah. I put in my uh, my gift guide that, you know, no self-respecting comics fan can actually bring themselves to buy the Infinite Crisis trade paperback, but it would make a great gift. That way everyone's dignity is maintained. And uh, I don't think we're ever going to get to open these presents on air because the phone keeps ringing, which is good. And uh, well, People must be listening at home. They, that, if you're listening, be wait. the 20th caller. uh, All right, so I have a trivia question to give you guys. I'll throw this in. What do Green Lantern... Wait, can we answer? Is this for the listeners? No, you guys can answer. It's just so we're filling time to see if Steve can come back here and open gifts. What do Green Lantern and the Pillsbury Doughboy have in common? Is this a pun? They're funny laugh? No. No, no, no. Uh, What do Green Lantern and the Pillsbury Doughboy have in common? Incredible willpower. All right, let me think. Let me think. Uh... They're soft tummies. They both report to small blue men. No. Um, no. Um, oh, that would be cool. I'm trying to think now about the Pillsbury Doughboy reporting to his small blue masters. <laughs> I have pushed the, the page. Pillsbury Lantern, Gardens. Green Lantern. Which Green Lantern? Alan Scott, oh, okay. actually. So you narrowed oh. it down. Alan oh. Scott and the Pillsbury Doughboy. Fear of fire. They're both no, afraid they're of both wood. Vulnerable to wood. Oh, wow. uh, no. No. <laughs> no. They, the they were both created by the same man, Martin Nodell. Who died last week at the age of ninety-four, and so you know we'd like to acknowledge this again as we talked Wait, about. He invented the Green Lantern. 
He's the creator of the Green Lantern. I thought Gil Kane. No, Gil Kane created, uh, was the artist on the Silver Age. Alan Scott was the Golden Age, oh. the first Green Lantern, and Martin O'Dell was inspired when he was taking a subway train and he was working for All American Comics and they asked him to come up with a feature and he saw a guy waving a Green Lantern in the sub New York subway and he thought. I'll do a Green Lantern. And so he was a young man, and then uh, he drew it until the feature was canceled in 1949. And then he went into advertising and was one of the men who was assigned the Pillsbury account and came up with the Pillsbury Doughboy. And he was appearing at conventions, and once again, this is just, you know, on a sort of a melancholy note to say, if you're at a convention and you see one of these old guys and you know that you loved their character, tell them. Tell them. Absolutely. Because, you know, in those. So you want me to walk up to the guy and go, I love the Doughboy. No. no, he's dead. he's gone now. Oh no, I meant back. But no, to then. say you love the Green Lantern, you know, or if it's your favorite character, if you yeah. meet the creator of your favorite character, whether it's a new, if it's a young guy or an old guy, tell them because you know you just don't know. I mean, hey, that's, I, I I saw Carrie Nord at uh, at some convention in Oakland, and you hit him with a stick, didn't you? No, I walked up and I said, "He's vulnerable to wood too." Uh, yeah, yes. a big stick of wood. No, and I, and I went up. I said, "Hey, I like your Conan pencils," and he was like. Thanks, man. And I was like, you know, you I... You have nice hair. And then I just kind of said, uh, so I mean, and we, what you are know, you doing later? No. And we lost another one, of course, obviously, with Joe Barbera, too. And that's, you know, but we've got an appropriate tribute on Family Planet to that. But there you go. Uh, an appropriate tribute? No, not necessarily. You see, on my website, I have an inappropriate tribute. Whoa. Uh, you don't have a website. You don't know. Hello. <laughs> like, okay, Steve's out of the Steve's loop. Steve's out of the loop. Forget just it. caught up. He's no, no, he's no, just he's, he's just talking to a buddy. So you know what? Tag with him. Okay, he's before, everybody wants. Before we rip this open, okay, so, so, please let's set it up. Rick, okay, so our sound engineer. Totally slash, unexpected, and I may cry. Yes, this was very unexpected. Three similar wrapped gifts. Four, four, four. Right for so they, Andy, uh-huh, Derek, myself. All oh, right, and there is Steve. no name, so they are set, they are identical. And they're the nice. No, they're green. not identical. Oh, they're not. They so are all matter. different. But I will. But say, in a sense, they're all the same. I, I will say they're, they're all, all to scale, for not the right size. So we're sort of like Santarans. and you've all seen them before. We're, every so one of you has seen every one of them. Before. Now looking at these, I'm going to say your wife wrapped these, didn't she? No, I wrapped. Them. Oh, okay. I was going to say they're very nicely wrapped. So well, you know, I, I think uh, Rick's a man who knows how to take care of himself. Okay. You know, he's kind of a metrosexual. Right. I, I can get before it was hip. Yeah. All right. All right. All right ready so at the same ready, time. Ready, one, two, two, three. three. Ooh. Wow! Oh my goodness! I just so heard my son. You got Yoda. I got Yoda scaled replica. I lightsaber. got the Darth Vader lightsaber. I got Obi Wan Kenobi. Wow! So who does Steve have? Is Luke? Ooh! Ooh. This is wow. awesome. Do they come out? Well, they they come out and they, there's a stand in there so you can set them. Oh, okay. So you, oh, because well, I want to fight with it. No, I don't think the blade actually. <laughs> no, we don't. They're not real lightsabers. <laughs> you just put them in your fist like hey, a roll of Michelle, pennies. Michelle had one that had a pole that went in the end of it that you could hit people with. Okay. Yeah. Well, there's probably there not room go. in that box for a pole. Wow. But that's very nice. Oh, well, thank you very much. This, this is the old, nice. this, the, this is the Young Ben Kenobi. Oh, yeah, oh, my, you just got a gift. <laughs> and on that note of the bitter, <laughs> the bitter Andy, oh, oh Steve Simonetti, find your gift. Hide your gift. Hide it. Hide it. <laughs> when we all put it down. All right, so now Steve's going right, to... Steve, open, open it up. His up. I want to be a Foley artist. <laughs> Here we go. Ooh. Wow. Steve got Luke. There you go. Oh. You got 
First movie, Luke, or Merry Christmas, third, everyone. Third movie. No, that's Anakin. That's Anakin. That's Anakin. Sorry, that's all right. Sorry. Oh no, that's that's. Yeah, that's really cool. Thank you. Yes, that's awesome. Yes, so I got Darth. Thank you, Mister I refuse to accept that Anakin and Darth are the same person. This is the villain I like. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. That was wonderful. And on that note, though Andy is, you know, uh, somewhat ungrateful because he can't actually Wait, fight with these so lightsabers. They're to scale, but they're not the size. They're, they are to scale. But they're they're scaled. The to scale with each other. So, so, like, yes. yeah. so Yoda's is smaller than... I would think Yoda's got to be a lot smaller than that. No, it wasn't that much. No, more. no. Come okay. on, you kicked butt with that. So on that note, we wish you all a happy holidays. We may re- we'll may we talk about reconvening next week off the air. But uh, this is, of course, Derek McCaw, Editor-in-Chief of Fanboy Planet. we got Andy Mead. Steve Simonetti came back in for a gift at the last minute. Woo-hoo! Lon Lopez. Yay. Rick Brett Schneider. Oh, and I'm back around to me, and I already said who I was. So if you have any comments, write in at editor at fanboyplanet.com. Find us at www.fanboyplanet.com. Fanboyplanet.com. Check out moreonlife.com. No, the forums. The forums. Check out the forums. I'm talking about the Fanboy Planet forums, I know. By the way. I've been posting all over on that. I know. Lon and I are having quite an argument, and <laughs> no one else seems to be weighing in on a Spider-Man and his amazing friends. But that's okay, because we got time on our hands this week. Cause Stop we're, yelling. We're teachers, and we're... You know, and what? We, Stop. I'm excited. I am excited. It's Yeah, everything hurts you. If it's too loud, Merry you're Christmas, too old. Everybody. All right, I'm so old. great. It's we've had a dysfunctional fanboy <laughs> Christmas, <laughs> and I think that's uh, absolutely appropriate. So, till next time. Thanks for listening. Talk to you later. And we'd like to thank the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.lukeski.com.